WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Impact Movie Chat here on 89FM, The Impact, East Lansing's movie alternative, MSU student-run radio. My name is Brad Brooks, and thank you for joining us. Uh, every weekday night from 7 to 8, we do The Exposure, an hour of live talk radio. And tonight's Thursday, time for The Impact Movie Chat. Over the next hour, we're going to rock you out with uh, talk about movies. Uh, we're going to tell you what's new in the theater this week, what's new for rentals, also some news, rumors, gossip, what have you. Plus, uh, give us a call. Uh, the show is based on your calls. Give us a call at area code 517-432-3893. Once again, 432-3893. Give us a call. Phone lines will be open for the next hour. Uh, just talking about whatever you want to talk about, movies in particular. Uh, this week's a great week. Well, not what's coming to the theater. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But three new movies coming out. Talking about those new rentals. And we're going to review Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. The third Harry Potter movie came out last Friday. We're going to be talking that up throughout the show. So give us a call. If you saw the Harry Potter film and you want your voice heard, that phone number is 432-3893. Once again, 432-3893. But let's first start with the Reverend's News. Yes. And let me introduce the fellows first. So I'm sorry about that. Getting ahead of myself. Reverend, you're here. Yes. Always here. My right hand. How you doing? Uh, good. All right. And to my left hand, Alex Dowd, the doubter. That's your new nickname. How you doing? Great. The Finally. doubter. Doubter. Okay. A nickname. Yeah. I'll let you know. Andy's here also. His he's Andy Keist. He's just called the Keister. Okay. All I do is N E R at the end of your name. These nicknames are not very complicated. But how you doing, doubter? Uh, good. Good to have you yeah. on. As I said, Andy Keist is here. Keister. I'm super, as always. <laughs> and because he uses the nickname. As, All right. as only the keister could be. All right. Once again, you'll listen to the Impact Movie Chat here on 89FM, the Impact East Lansing's movie alternative. Usually the music alternative, but for the next hour, movies, baby, movies. All right. Phone lines are open, 432-3893. And as I said, we're going to the Reverend's News. Got ahead of myself there. We're going to the Reverend's News first. Yes. Reverend. What right. little juicy nuggets do you have for us? I got a, I got a couple interesting things. All right. Um, both of which will anger you personally. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, or, or, Nothing or, better than what I get irate. <laughs> um, your favorite director, Kevin Smith, uh, who was working on the Green Hornet. <laughs> which movie. is going to be bad. Yes. Because uh, he can't direct. Right. Uh, he, uh, he wrote a script for it and was going to direct it, and now he's starting to back off from it. And he hasn't made a comment about why, but... Because he's not a good director. Yeah, the speculation is that he doesn't think he can handle something of that proportion. The studio still wants him to do it. They had to really convince him to to do it in the first place, and now I think he's backing off again. So, we'll see how it turns out. Can you kind of recap what Green Hornet is? I mean, for a comic book nerd, someone who's, well, just a, a film geek, we might know, but Green Hornet... Well, most I, people don't know about. Honestly, Green I'm not that familiar with him. Uh, I watched, <laughs> I've watched some episodes of the show. Uh, basically, he's kind of like Batman. I yeah. mean, except he doesn't do most of the fighting. That's his uh, his driver slash uh, henchman, Cato, does the fighting. Who was Bruce Lee? Who was played by Bruce Lee on the TV on series? The TV show, yes. um, but he's definitely a kind of a, a Batman figure. He's he yeah. does more. Of, he's the brains. Cato is the brawn. Right. And they want to revive that, uh, especially since most people don't know about Green Hornet uh, right. for the most part. But they're going to try to make a movie out of it. And nothing, no one's, who's the best choice for that, Alex? 
for uh, for Green Hornet would be someone who's not a very dynamic director who really doesn't shoot action very well. Would be someone who uses mostly static shots, <laughs> who never pans, zooms, does anything with the camera, no movement. Doesn't that sound like a great person to do an action movie? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's right. That's what they were thinking. Uh, so Kevin Smith gets the job, but he's afraid of that now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it would it would stink either way. So right. I think that they're still definitely using his script, and uh, obviously. I think the reason they thought of him was because he is a big comic nerd and knows a lot about comics and actually has written superhero scripts before, like the super, he wrote a draft of Superman, one of a many, many drafts of Superman that they've worked on over the years, um, which was okay. I read right. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We'll have to see. I don't yeah. know. It'll, it'll at least be something cool and hip for the kids. It would be, it, it almost, I almost <laughs> might have faith in it if they used the script and got a visually dynamic director like, I don't know. Unlike him. Robert Rodriguez, like old school Robert Rodriguez, not Once Upon a Time in Mexico Robert Rodriguez, you know? Okay. Who actually tries. If we get Robert Rodriguez circa 1996. <laughs> right. Okay, we'll be okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so Green Hornet, yeah. Kevin Smith may be out. Yeah. Uh, but usually a director has to be kicked out, not on his own right. volition. He doesn't say, I'm not going to direct it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What else do you have? Uh, the other bit of info is um, George Lucas who ruined my childhood yeah who I, I used to be a huge fan of i still kind of am even though he hurts me um, <laughs> he hurts all of us reverend he <laughs> he directed uh a movie back before he did star wars before he game, became really famous called thx 1138 um which was one of the first if not the first american zoetrope uh movies which was like Francis Ford Coppola's company. It was going to be like a new film studio. That didn't work out. No. Because <laughs> um, all their movies bombed. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting and cool sci-fi movie. Robert Duvall's in it. Uh, Donald Pleasance. Um, I'm a big fan of it. It's finally come out on DVD this year in September and we'll have a limited theatrical release. The thing that really bothers me about this is that this is going to be another director's cut re-edit with new special effects added in by George Lucas. Similar so, to the Star Wars special editions that we were right. subjected to in 1997. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. again, like the original Star Wars trilogy, it's going to come out. I mean, well, it's coming out around the same time and won't uh, the original versions won't be available. Um, I mean, I don't know. People have differing opinions on this, but I think it's almost like trying to destroy history in a way, yes. you know, it's like the, the, the flaws in the movie are part They're of there. the charm. You know, if you don't, if it doesn't bother you, I mean, I guess if you're not that big of a film fan, it's not a big deal. Okay. You'd have, you have a digital cityscape in this version of THX. You don't in the other one, but I mean, if, if it doesn't bother you at all, then I'd say it's like it's almost you don't really care about the editing or, you know, like every every bit of the movie is important. You know, that's I guess that's my opinion. So I'm fine with it as long as they have the original version available, which they won't. Yes, because so. George Lucas is a fascist. Yeah. And that's my opinion, my opinion only. No one else's opinion. Right. Especially not this station's. But I, I just – I'm getting angry with them because mm -hmm. I love Star Wars. And if you've listened to the show over the last few years, you found out that Brad Brooks loves Star Wars. <laughs> George Lucas created Star Wars and then has decided to summarily destroy Star Wars <laughs> by not allowing the, the originals to be released on DVDs, 
Uh, I used to like the special editions until I found out that's all I could get was the special editions. Yes, it's cute, George. You have, you know, billions of dollars now and you can throw in additional scenes with old footage and put together new special effects and throw it in. That's cute. But don't make that the only copy that we can find. Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back are two films that are in the, like, National Film Registry and you can't actually find the originals anywhere. All you can find are the 1997 special editions. He's talked about he's going to bring out also this year, uh, in the fall, the, st- the original Star Wars trilogy is coming out on DVD. You can find Episode 1 and Episode 2 on DVD. Yay. That's, that's great. Uh, but finally, the original trilogy is coming out. But Alex, I know you want to go pick it up. I'll let you know. It's going to be the special editions. Yeah. The special editions <clears throat> plus, there's been rumors that he's adding more stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let it be. Stop. It's not just that, you know, it's one thing that you may like the original Star Wars. It's the special edition stuff plus new things that, that he may be tinkering with. Now, this isn't confirmed, but that's where it's pointing to is he's adding more stuff. He's doing this to THX 1138. You know, the movie's out. It's in the bag. People own it on video at home. The movie's set, and now he's going to tinker with it, maybe add new stuff. You never know. So in a couple of years, are we going to get the director's cut of American Graffiti then? Uh, maybe. <laughs> with yeah. extra special effects? Yeah. Uh, flying cars. Exploding yeah. car, yeah. Yeah. It's, he, he, it's another – Spielberg kind of did the same thing a few years ago with E.T., when he did his deluxe, uh, what was it, 20th anniversary collector's edition, yeah. mm-hmm. where he, you know, tweaked the special effects, did a few things in which uh, taking the shotguns and handguns out of the agent's hands and putting in walkie-talkies. Yeah, that's a stupid idea. I, I know. But at least when he did that, it was a double-disc set. The other disc had the original theatrical yeah. release of it. At least Spielberg had, you know, the thought in his mind to say, you know, people may actually enjoy the original as it is. They may have fallen in love with that movie, not the thing I'm going to take around with. Uh, Lucas, on the other hand, will hear none of that. Yeah. It, these, he hates his... I don't... It's like he has an undying hatred for his own work. Yeah. That he hates himself. He is Darth Vader. He is Darth Vader. <laughs> and we used to think it was Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. But no, it's George Lucas. <laughs> yep, yep. Makes sense. All right. I was just going to say real fast. I mean, in the case of THX 1138, one of the reasons why I like that movie so much, the original version is precisely because of the absence of any fancy special effects. I mean, most of the movie takes place indoors. Yeah. In sort of real claustrophobic environments. I mean, it's a very... If anyone's seen it, they know what I'm talking about. It's a very, oh, minimalist sci-fi film. And just to add more to it would... I mean, again, to reiterate, would ruin the movie for me anyway. I miss... Unfortunately, and this is part of the problem, unfortunately sci-fi is no longer allowed to be minimalist. It has to be, you know, full of CGI effects and just way too over the top. I need a shot of the cityscape for some ungodly reason that shows me that, you know, this is in the future. Where, I mean, I don't like the original Solaris or necessarily Godard's Alphaville, but at least those are sci-fi, like, movies that, you know, will firmly say, yeah, we're shot right now. That's fine. <laughs> it's The future is today. Yeah. That has something to say, but... Especially if the movie's mostly indoors. There's no reason for it. So THX 1138 coming out. Special edition. Uh, if you want to watch the original, how is actually, you'll have to rent the video then. Yeah. All right. If you can track it down. If you can track it down. Same thing with the original Star Wars. Before the people, before Lucas's people hunt them down and burn those copies and replace yeah. them with the special edition That's ones. the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> That's the sad thing. I own, and this is my personal, let's get into Brad's collection right now. I own Star Wars Episode One on VHS and on DVD. You're thinking, hey, that's, that's overkill, Brad. Why do you need both? Only because the original, the, v- the VHS copy of Star Wars is of Episode One is what was in the theater. By the time the DVD came out, he had already added in things 
to it. The DVD release of episode one isn't even the theatrical cut. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's getting excessive. Yeah. yeah. Lucas, you're ruining my childhood every minute. <laughs> he has become Darth Vader. He is my con. <laughs> I, think, I think we all know what that means. All right, you listen to the Impact Movie Chat here on 89FM, the Impact. Phone lines are open at 4323-893. Once again, 4323-893, area code 517. Just throwing that out for anybody listening <laughs> from a long distance uh, on the web. Impact89FM.org. Go to the website. Message boards, everything. And you can listen to it online. Impact89FM.org. Phone number 4323-893. And uh, stick around. Later on, we're going to be uh, previewing what's coming out this week. We'll let you know what's out on rental. Video pick of the week, of course. we got a couple of great reviews. We're going to be talking about Harry Potter and everything up. we got a call on line one. Call, you're on the Impact Movie Chat. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? We're doing great. Hi, I was just calling because you guys were talking about one number one, the George George Lucas Steven Spielberg thing, uh, which I also I was concerned about, and and you know I'm not a huge movie fan, but I do think it's kind of crap to go back through and and you know spiff up your movies. But you were talking about uh, new sci-fi and how it's got to be CGI everything, and I was going to ask you if any of you guys have seen a movie called The Cube. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and would you consider that sci-fi? Yeah. Yeah, I, so. I thought. I thought that was an awesome movie shot with only one set. Exceptionally mm-hmm. good movie. So I was just calling to see what you guys thought about that in the face of all the other, you know, super elaborate, computer animated, psychotic, uh, sci-fi, Minority Report, and all those other movies that are just so graphic, it's over the top. Right. Well, yeah. I think... Um, I Please, think oh, oh ahead, sorry. <laughs> the, yeah, the original, like a lot of the original concepts of sci-fi were about the story and the characters and being allegorical and... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I that's that's something I liked about Cube. I mean, it was more, it's more intimate. It was more about the characters, more and, psychological. Yeah, it's yeah. about the inner workings of the human brain and the human psyche, and not not, not about, westerns. Yes, not about the the scene that they have. And now, secondly, like I I thought that the walkie talkies and and uh, the film you're talking about, I thought that was just on the episode of South Park. Like I didn't realize that that was real in ET. No, in ET, uh, yep. Steven Spielberg uh, removed. Uh, I believe they're shotguns from some of the federal agents' hands and put in walkie-talkies. Why? That's that why is, it was lampooned on South Park. Yeah, that that is so absurdly ridiculous. Yes, it is. Like, I, I don't know. What's the problem with that? Because it's it's a movie for little kids, and yeah. children shouldn't see guns. That's Sterilizing the our childhood is what yes. we're doing. <laughs> Thank you. But you can you can still buy like little toy guns for little kids to play with too. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. And when it really comes down to it, I just thought ET sucked anyway. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's it's wow. not for everyone, but yes. Thanks for giving us a call. Hey, no problem. You guys have a good night. All right. Take care. Phone lines are open four three two three eighty nine three. Once again, four three two. Three eight nine three. We're talking about everything movies. There's something you want to talk about? Give us a call. We're talking about sci-fi apparently too. Uh, does sci-fi have to be uh, huge, grandiose? Can it be simple, simplistic? Unfortunately, also thanks to Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, now there was you know some sci-fi that was all about the effects and spaceships and all that. But for the most part, sci-fi to a degree until Star Wars was more of a classic sense in which the future was just used as an allegorical place to still look at the at the human psyche, at the, at the human condition. But then Star Wars comes along and makes all science fiction westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked... Oh, I don't... If you like Star Wars, if you like Empire Strikes Back, what you don't like is sci-fi. What you like are westerns. 
You, you want to go check out some John Ford films with right. the Duke and with Clint Eastwood. And or but, fantasy films, yes, too. Yeah. Fantasy films. They're not necessarily sci-fi, but still good stuff. So, Lucas, you ruined many a thing. <laughs> and for that, I am angry. But I still think, I mean, Star Wars is still awesome. Though. Star Wars is an impression. <laughs> like, the original, yeah, no, no. The original, the original Star Wars trilogy is still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He walks aside. Um, but just what he's doing now right. is, a, is a little much. Right. And it hurts me. Yeah. So that's why, that's why I will not. I'm boycotting the, the, the DVD set. There is a lot of, there is a lot of like sci-fi stuff coming out. I've noticed that like in a lot, in the next, you know, in the next year or so. So, it's still a hot property. Yeah, because they're they're basically now just action adventurers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's basically what they are. They're, they're western. They're action movies. Yeah. They're the they just happen to be take place in space or in the future. They're not what you say is the classical sci fi science fiction. You know, Asimov, uh, Bradbury type of sense. Right. But that's really fine. One of my favorite uh, Hollywood pitches. My favorite movies that never were were um some a couple of producers approached Elmore Leonard and they said we want to remake uh, Ombre. Into another movie, except we want to set it in the future with ray guns and spaceships and all that stuff. You know, just away. so again, the circle is complete. You know, the western that's set in the future, essentially. Thank God. Which I always thought was really funny. He didn't like the idea. No, I wanted to like hate it. it. Yeah, no. surprisingly enough, the Dickens so. of Detroit did not enjoy that. <laughs> that's my. That's one of my favorite nicknames. That's Elmer Leonard. He uh, mm. wrote uh, Rum Punch, which was Jackie Brown, uh, Get Shorty, and also Out of Sight. Some of the recent movies made out, but also Ombre. Yes. You have to love. All right. You'll listen to the Impact Movie Chat here on 89FM, the Impact. Phone lines are open 4323-893. Let's move into reviews. Last week, one of the biggest movies of the summer hit. And it was one of the few things that I've been looking forward to. It is Harry Potter 3, known as Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Everyone is back uh, from the first two. Unfortunately, Richard Harris has passed away. Uh, but Michael Gambone fills in the seat as Albus Dumbledore. Uh, add in a few other people. David Thewlis as the new... Uh, Professor, new teacher of the dark, uh, defense against the dark arts, Professor Lupin, uh, Sirius Black, the uh, title character, uh, the prisoner of Azkaban, uh, plays Sirius. Yeah, it's played by Gary Oldman, and uh, very good Gary Oldman, and uh, Emma Thompson shows up as the uh, divination uh, professor, uh, Sybil Trelawney, I believe is her name. We all check wow. this one out. Good memory. Thank you <laughs> for that last one. I look things up. <laughs> all right, Prisoner of Azkaban. It comes out the first two. Uh, once again, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, done by Christopher Columbus. No, I'm sorry, Chris Columbus. Christopher Columbus uh, discovered America. May or may not have discovered <laughs> America. Um, but now it's off, on to Alfonso Cuarón, the interesting Mexican director of The Great Expectations, The Little Princess, the reason why he got the movie, and of course, the infamous Itumaba Tambien. Um, I saw this movie, and I'll start off. I loved it. Uh, easily, I thought, was the best of the three Potters so far. I'm going to get the gentleman's opinion in just a second, but uh, the kids are getting old, uh, uncomfortably old. Uh, they're a little bit, they're not prepubescent. They are in puberty, full swing. Um, but I actually thought the visual aspect of the story, uh, I read one review and basically said, I'm, I unfortunately don't know who's, who did this, um, basically said that whereas the first two films feel like staged readings of the books, this film actually feels like a movie. An actual motion picture. I think that's quite appropriate. Uh, excellent job by, by Coron. Uh, the script is tight. Acting performances are great. Um, Gary Oldman and uh, David Thewlis, I thought, pitch perfect, spot on. Great jobs by them. Brilliant casting. That's the one thing, no matter what. And it made me, I was watching Harry Potter 2 last night. And it made me think there should be an Oscar for best casting. Because it can be done well. And it can be done bad. Of course, the Harry Potter films are such 
a big property that they have to pick up the litter, they still do a great job. I can't think of a, a single character who's been miscast throughout the whole thing. So, for me, Harry Potter 3 rocks. Let's go to the guy. Let's find out how they feel. Andy, let's start with you. Okay. Harry Potter 3, Prisoner of Azkaban, how did you feel about it? I loved it as well. Uh, I'm going to... I'm. I've the way I've saw, I've usually started out my review of it is that uh, I'm gonna look ahead maybe five six years from now, and I think people in general will look at the Harry Potter films as sort of the new James Bond films as a as a franchise and as a distinctly British franchise. And I'm gonna say Azkaban. I could be wrong, but this is my I'm gonna guess that Azkaban will be the Goldfinger of the series. Probably probably be regarded as the best of the series. That's just my guess. Um, I thought Alfonso Cuarón brought a lot more to to the films than Chris Columbus did, although I do like the two previous films quite a bit, mostly because of the source material. Uh, I liked how the movie focused more on the characters rather than just the school. Um, it's a lot darker. It's uh, shot a lot better. There's a, Cuarón used a lot of interesting and different techniques like uh, the iris, there's a lot of iris ins and outs. There's sepia tone. There's all kinds of cool stuff, and there's distinctly Hispanic touches in in this movie as well. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed inside. There's a scene that takes place in a confection shop, and there's a little display of Mexican skull candy in the in the corner of the screen, which is kind of cool. And again, it's um, again, it actually just inhabits the world a lot better than than the previous two films did. I mean, there's things happening in every corner of the screen. It's pretty incredible. And uh, what else? Uh, yeah, I will agree. Um, it is kind of it is kind of bizarre watching these kids enter the awkward age. But I would I would say keep the same cast rather than recast the thing because then I don't know that could get that could make it even more strange. I suppose. Yeah, that's um, a big thing right now. The primary kids, the three kids, uh, Ron, Harry, and Hermione, uh, they're getting a little old, and they basically sign them each movie in advance. All the three major. Uh, child actors are all signed for the fourth one, uh, The Goblet of Fire, which I think is about to begin production. Uh, the new director of that escapes me at the moment. It's not Columbus. It's not Quaron. Mike Newell. Mike Newell. Mike Newell. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, Who's Mike Newell? Uh, he's in a funeral? Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. Once again. Pushing thank, tin. Thank you very much. Okay. Ooh, pushing tin. That was cute. Well, that's one oh, way of putting it. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Gotta love Diane Roscoe. Roscoe. Oh, that's okay. cute too. Yeah. One way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. But yeah, that yeah. is a big thing right now. We can talk about that in just a minute of whether to recast the kids. Keep going with it. We'll talk about that in just a second. Let's get to the Reverend. Ah. Reverend. Yes. Harry Potter 3. Um, Did it lace you? Yeah. Um, I will use the word like. I liked it. I didn't like I don't think I loved it. I, I did like it though. I'm like, you know, if you don't think you loved it, then you didn't love it. Yeah, that's it's, true. That's the test. I didn't love it. Okay. Um, that's all right. To, I, I've used the uh I've in my description of this, I've used the um Big Lebowski metaphor. Strikes and gutters, ups and downs. There's <laughs> there's things that I I mean, there's things that Quaron brought to it that I really did like uh quite a bit um i liked i mean i love quaron like i think he's really cool he's a really good director i like his style um so all that having been said i guess i'll just uh, well that and i also i thought the cast was awesome um i mean all the movies have had good casts but this this one in particular i think the uh the side characters i really loved and um but uh in terms of what i didn't like um uh, I don't know. 
there's something it's like a comic book thing i'm gonna go into comic book metaphors here in comic book world when you're you're reading a serialized story that takes place over a long period you there's something called continuity errors which is basically like as you get new writers and new artists things start to change and it's just kind of awkward you know and and there's moments in this where i was like that tree wasn't there in the last movie and Hagrid's hut didn't really look like that and you know I mean that I guess and I and I did just watch the last two right before I saw this one so it kind of it kind of threw me off it was kind of weird because Quaron definitely brought his own style to it and I think they just the producers were like yeah do your thing for the most part don't don't go too crazy because like I heard um like for example he didn't want Emma Thompson in the movie and J.K. Rowling was like, no, you have to have that character in the movie, you know. But they did let, let him do certain things here and there. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It just it felt kind of jarring. Also, I was completely – it was different than I was expecting because I was expecting him to direct it like A Little Princess, you know, which is probably why he got the job. And I, I think it's done more like E2 Mama Tambien, actually, which is weird, which is what we were joking about. But the style of it is kind of like E2 Mama Tan and BN. It's like kind of grainy photography and a lot of handheld cameras. And I don't know. It's, uh, I think, in a, in a certain way, making the story more realistic or making the style of it kind of more realistic puts more emphasis on how ridiculous the story is. Okay. So in that sense, I didn't, I didn't like it. I think it's, I think it's better served personally by someone more mainstream like chris columbus who who is is like you know this is magic this is cool this is look at this set you know and it's very more much more showy um but you know i still like the movie i th- i think it's like i like it as a quaron movie but i don't know if i like it as a harry potter movie so i'm kind of like i'm split in between You're conflicted yeah interesting but overall i'd say definitely a positive review all right. There, uh, there is there is an issue of context as well. Um, the first two Harry Potter films came along when the the craze for Rowling was at its peak, as it were, and uh, you know there were there was a lot of pressure to follow the first two novels almost religiously, and Chris Columbus did do that. But I think, well, I, I mean, I know that this time around they set out they wanted to make a distinctly different movie that was that would leave a lot of things out and draw new things in. So right. I mean, I just uh, I don't know. I really liked what Quaron did. I enjoyed what he brought to the table. I, oh, oh, well, yeah, yeah. One more, one more thing too. Like one thing that I really love about the Potter movies is like the side plots and side characters. And this isn't necessarily Quaron's fault, but as the stories themselves get longer and more complex, you can put much and much less of that in. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that it was missing some of those elements too. I agree with you. I, mm-hmm. I like the side characters. I like the little, you know, digressions that they have and you learn about the world. Those are some of the best parts, mm-hmm. but the books are getting huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, uh, Goblet of Fire, much larger than Prisoner Azkaban. Order of the Phoenix, which just is the fifth book and just came out is like all the books combined so far right. page wise. They're going <laughs> to to make a movie of these. You have to start cutting them into two. Give us a long intermission between the four-hour film, you know. Now I've heard that, or they have going... to just cut things out, right? I've now I've heard uh, this. This is just a rumor that I've I've heard that they're actually going to split the fourth movie into two separate movies because of so much plot to get through. I don't know. if I've that's heard true or of not. that, but I think that would be 
detrimental to the series. Uh, no, actually, they they decided against that. Okay, and okay. actually, strangely, it was Alfonso Cuarón's idea to do part four as one movie, even though he's he never planned <clears throat> on directing it. He convinced uh, Steve Cloves to make it as one. It film. just it just it doesn't. I don't think it would work as huh. a Kill Bill uh, <laughs> cut in half type right, deal. Right. You need it has to be one continuation. Right. I mean, it, yeah, the Harry Potters don't need to be two parts. You don't right. need to do that. Alex, waiting patiently. Okay, I, I appreciate um, that. Yeah. I'll... So quickly, go through your review. <laughs> Joking. Uh, to my immense surprise, I really enjoyed this. Actually, you're surprised. How do you feel about the first two? I'm not that big of a fan. I mean, as How I mentioned book? last week, I haven't read it. Oh, yeah. You're that person. <laughs> yeah, we I'm, find, I'm the hey, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. We found the person who hasn't read Harry Potter. <laughs> Done. We can, we, can, we can close up shop. <laughs> That's right. The point of the world is over. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned last week, I'm, I'm the non-Harry Potter guy, I guess. I'm the guy who hasn't read the books and who wasn't really digging the first two movies. Um, I think I mentioned that... For me, the they were okay when they were just sort of going off on these tangents, showing us the little the, the small details of the world, the the little magical touches. Um, I liked it okay then, but as the movies sort of sputtered on, they kind of overstayed their welcome for me. I, I think I, I mean, I'm glad that you're on the show tonight. Not, yeah. not, not like I'm not very glad, but yeah. because I think you're hitting on a great point is that the first two movies really work because you've read the books. Okay, and that's the only re- if you've read you everyone you're the only person who probably went to see the first two movies that hadn't read the books, you know just guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but basically, you went in and you saw the little things, and you, from our knowledge of the books, were able to pull everything together, so it seemed a bit tighter. It was just fun seeing all of the the cute characters, all the nooks and crannies of this world on film, yeah. that you were willing to let go of the story. But yes, you're actually able to see them as just movies. It doesn't yeah. work as a movie. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think the first two movies were mainly for Harry Potter fans. They're for people who just wanted to see this stuff on screen. They wanted it visualized for them. This one, on the other hand, I think, is the very first of of the series that actually feels to me like a movie. Not like a Harry Potter movie, but like a movie. Where I was actually... I, I think there there is a lot less of the cool stuff I think Phil mentioned. You know, the side stories, the, the little touches that were in the first two. But... Um, to my surprise, I didn't care because for the first time, I was actually sort of getting into the story. Um, and I really did enjoy Karan. Um, I think he was a really good choice, actually. Um, I think he... I don't know. Uh, something about the first two felt kind of like amusement parks to me, I guess. They kind of had this sort of stamped on, like... They looked like sets a lot of the time in special effects. I thought Karan added more of a... I guess realistic is is a good way to put it. More more of a realistic touch to it, which made these feel more like I, I guess I could get into the fantasy of it more. You know, I didn't feel like I was watching a movie as much. Okay. Um, and I will say the last hour of this, the, the last hour of the first two, more or less, to put it harshly, bored me to tears. Um, That's harsh. Yeah. Uh, but the last hour of this was sweet. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, and I guess I can credit that as much to the to the story as I can to Quran. But uh, the last hour kind of rocked me out. Good. Yeah. Excellent. So I I had a lot of fun at this one actually. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. All right. We're talking about Harry Potter three: The Prisoner of Azkaban. Here on the Impact Movie Channel, phone lines are open four three two three eighty nine three. Once again, four three two three eight nine three. If you've seen it, give us a call. Let you know. Let us know how you felt about it. If you loved it, you hated it. Indifferent. <laughs> Maybe let us know four three two three eighty nine three. 
and we we kind of touched about on it when uh, Andy was talking about the casting of the children. And I think, as I said, I think the casting has been brilliant so far. Every you know the the new characters that come and go in the books, well done. Uh, but it's the it's the main topic is the top three, the three kids uh, who were plucked when they were I think eleven years old to play eleven year olds, uh, to play Hermione, Ron, and Harry Potter. They're now sixteen. And they're supposed to be playing thirteen-year-olds in this movie. Uh, I believe that's the. That's, I don't think Daniel Radcliffe is sixteen, at least. He's looking. He's getting. They're all. I. I, still, I, I that's I the impression. I think he's still think he's pretty young. Okay. I would. I'm going to say fourteen. I would. Yeah, I was going to guess fourteen. They are. They are Sorry. British, so they probably. <laughs> okay. They're probably a lot wow. very mature for their age. Okay. Yeah. I think. I'm, I I'm, think uh, Rupert Grint and Emma Watson. Watson are a little. Are like a year older. Okay. I think so maybe, maybe they're, they're 15. fourteen, fifteen, yeah. around that age. Now, do they seem the right age to you? I guess I was I was under the impression they were much older. Mm. No, I um, I, you know, they they seem fine to me. I mean, I don't know how they're going to be for the next one, but that does. Yeah. But does it seem like they're playing within the ages? Because I felt like they seemed a lot older. I don't know. Um, Thirteen in this film. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I know. I know we're all not hanging out at the middle school, you know, hanging out with thirteen-year-olds <laughs> yeah, I mean... like, hey, and you know, they just fits in. <laughs> But for what I remember 13-year-olds looking like when I was 13. They're British. They seemed a little old. <laughs> British kids look older. I don't know. <laughs> it's something about the rain. Yeah. Well, I'll say I think Emma Emma Watson definitely looked the right age. I think she seemed young. Maybe she just acted young. Okay. You know. Um, it is a movie. That's, that's, the, I mean, that's the thing. The acting styles in this were a little bit different. And the clothes that they wore, yeah, too. Right. So yeah. The clothes been. definitely allowed him to grow up a little bit more before it's all big, baggy shirts and right. Big sweaters. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, what about not not completely? Were we not completely diverting from this topic? That's really but, fine. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael Gambon. We didn't really mention him. Yes, he's, I, uh, he, he's a new Dumbledore. Yeah, since I actually kind of had. Um, it's interesting. Like I still like this movie, but everything that people really loved about this movie, I almost have the exact opposite reaction. Michael Gambon, I thought was horrible personally, and and most most reviews I've I've heard say they thought he was like much better than Richard Harris. I I, I didn't really feel that at all. I I don't. I'm a little in the middle of that. Yeah. I don't think he was great, mm-hmm. but I don't hate him. Okay. I didn't think he was horrible. Okay. Michael Gambon has to step in for the uh, the famous Richard Harris who passed on right. as Albus Dumbledore, the headmaster of the school. Right. I thought he was pretty good. Now I'm not saying he was great. I definitely won't go there. But I thought he was good. I will, I will say at least adequate for the role. Yeah, and and I'll just I'll just explain my my complaint really quick too. Um, the character of Dumbledore in the books is like God. He's like he's all knowing. He's all powerful, and yet does nothing. Um, so no, the uh, no, Whoa, just man. just kidding. No, no you um, can't take that back. But he, uh, but no, he he is all knowing and all powerful. Yes, I didn't really get that. I mean, Richard Harris, I really got that impression. Like he was always like, you're like, how much does he really know about what's going on? Michael Gambon just seemed like some dude. I don't know. He's like some. He's like the guy who runs the school. Yeah, I don't he's know. Like, but well, he's I, like I, your principal, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I can go there with that, and I do love the idea that. Dumbledore. That's one of my few things. I, I guess I, I was watching uh, Harry Potter two last night. I really enjoyed that. Dumbledore knows everything that's going on, right? But he's just letting these kids do. Like right. for some reason, why are the kids going to the Chamber of Secrets? Why are the kids finding the Sorcerer's Stone? I, no idea why. Right. 
But because Dumbledore wants him to learn. Because Dumbledore <laughs> is like, it's good for Harry Potter to do Apparently wizards things. just put these great tasks and these world-shattering uh, events into the hands of children, I guess. That's <laughs> how they raise those kids. Yeah. And that's you know why they have a lot of child services going on in <laughs> yeah. the wizard world. you got to take the children away. But okay, so I, I can agree with, I can see your point on, on Gambone as a new Dumbledore. Uh, can I ask you guys, I, I haven't read the books again, um, is the third one significantly darker than the other two, the book, anyway? Yes. Okay, because yes, it this is a step. It is was a... both visually and thematically a lot darker than the last two, which I dug. I, I think the first two, it's been a couple years since I read them, they're pretty much the same kind of tone. Uh, it seems like they, they got, it got a little bit darker in the second one, but pretty much the same book, the same kind of tone for the okay. first two books. The third one does take a much darker tone, and I haven't read the, the last two, number four and five, but I guess that continues. Yeah. I I, I I mean, I agree with that. I think it's more progressive, though. I mean, I think the first one... I mean, I mean, I think the first book is dark, too. And then, like, the se- it's the second one. Chamber of Secrets is a little in between. I think I think Chamber of Secrets is a pretty dark movie, too. I, I actually... Uh, I really... That's probably my favorite of the three. Um, but, uh, yeah. So that's all in the book. Okay. Yeah. All okay. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot. I will say this one in particular. I mean, as it wasn't as slavish to the book, there was a lot that was cut out, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if they're going to get to later on. Um, so I won't even talk about what it is because I don't want to give anything away. But all right. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. I understand. There's, the, that's, there's that's a lot that, of side stories. A yeah. lot of things running on. Characters that come and go throughout all of them. And. Right. Let's face it, I will give credit to Quaron. He kind of just had clothes condense it to mm-hmm. right. the bare bones. What can be told in the story and how to get it to you? So, right. um, I actually really enjoyed, I, just to mention it again, uh, Gary Oldman is Sirius Black. David Thewlis is Professor Lupin. Not exactly how is it uh, p- picturing both characters, especially uh, Professor Lupin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thewlis, I thought, was great. And yeah. Oldman, you only get to see him for a short bit. It's mostly in wizard pictures. But the wizard pictures were almost <laughs> of, of Ullman. Great stuff. There. I liked uh, I liked the spark of I, again I'll say darkness. I liked the spark of darkness in Harry this time. You know, kind of how he would snap sometimes. You know, and just sort of you'd see him like you can see him sort of developing into someone who could actually be an adult. I guess who, who could someone actually could turn to the dark side. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, like the opening scene is actually you know he gets angry, which is something that you don't see too much in the first two. And movies. that opening scene is. Get you to the the title cards. Get you to that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great way to kick the movie off. I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Puts the other two movies to shame. All right. Another thing I really loved about this was uh, the music by John Williams. I think this is. This, I think this is some of the best music that John Williams has written in many years. I mean, exactly. There's all kinds Definitely. of elements of yeah. just like jazz and church music, Celtic music. Um, the witch's dialogue from Macbeth has been set to music, which, <laughs> which I, is like, great. I thought it was which is wonderful. Very appropriate. So yeah, I enjoyed a version that a of lot. the Hogwarts uh, school uh, glee club. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is, is not, great. Which is not in the book. Hmm. Which was uh, a great addition, yeah. yes. nonetheless. And for the purists, get over it. <laughs> if, if you're sitting at home, like, not everything in the book was in the movie. Have you seen how big the books are? Let's be realistic, <laughs> folks. They've got to make cuts. It's a motion picture. Things had to be cut. That, that's all I got to say. You're if talking you're, to me. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a purist, well, okay. Got, here, here's here's my other and thing. I'm a purist. Yeah. I love things in their pure form. Well, I'll, I'll say there's like I thought was important elements of the story, not just side characters that weren't talked about, like the map. 
They the, didn't explain them out. They didn't explain you know? them out. I was upset. I will admit, I was upset about that. And the other thing is, is like, I mean, just the pa- just in terms of pacing, like, what is in the book is like the last few chapters is like the last hour of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's like a huge amount of what you know is otherwise like usually a small part of the story. But they have to because it's so long. Yeah. Like the whole ending is is very long. The, Rowling paces it very quickly in the last few chapters. Right. It's hard to do that in. It's such a cool set piece too. I, I would argue the the climax of the film. Yeah. But I, I'm I can't say anything about it. But I'm a sucker for this sort of thing. In the end. But. All right. We'll talk okay. about this after. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about this off the air. One, the cardinal yeah. rule, rule number one of the Impact Movie Chat: do not give away the ending. Yeah. Unless it's a movie from, let's say, fifty years ago. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. That's, and, even, and it's even fair then, game. It's even then, it's it's frowned upon. You're listening to the Impact Movie Chat here on 89 FM, the Impact East Lansing's movie alternative, MSU Student Run Radio. My name is Brad Brooks, and you're joining us here on the Impact Movie Chat. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. Once again, 432-3893. If there's anything you want to talk about in movies, hey, if you've seen the Harry Potter movie, the new one, the old ones, you've read a book, give us a call. <laughs> We're talking about movies here. Four three two three eighty nine three, and anything else you want to talk about, movie related, something you heard, something you saw online, give us a call. We'll talk about it. Four three two three eight nine three. That number is the phone number. For those of you wondering, okay. <laughs> Alex is looking at me funny. All right, let's get into what's new this week. Three new movies hit, and I would like to call them all stinkers. Okay, this summer, as I proclaimed a few weeks ago on our summer preview show, is going to suck. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I at the end of last summer I thought 2004 is going to rock. Yeah, it's funny, it's gonna be, Brad. It's gonna be, shut up, Alex. <laughs> it's going to be the best summer of all time. 2004. 2004 finally came around. I don't even know what I was thinking. Apparently, I heard Spider-Man 2 and Harry Potter 3 were on the list and just proclaimed it good. And you didn't even listen anymore. You I didn't. Like, I, I'm like, cares, la, la, I don't it. need to hear about the rest of the summer. <laughs> well, the reason is we've gotten things like Troy Van Helsing. Uh, for the people with uh, cold, bitter hearts, Shrek 2, myself, <laughs> uh, which has made $300 million. America, I'll concede, you love Shrek 1 and Shrek 2. Guess what? DreamWorks is already in way of making Shrek 3 and 4, so guess what? You're taking care of for a few more years. <laughs> I'll give up. <laughs> My simple crusade to, to denounce Shrek is over. One last time, I hate Shrek. Okay. <laughs> but three movies hit this week. They're all brand new. Surprisingly, and these are all. I think this weekend is a garbage pail weekend in which a Harry Potter, a Troy, a Spider Man 2 is not coming out this weekend. It's not gonna be a big movie weekend. Everyone then, with all their smaller movies, rushes to try to fit in a spot in one of these garbage pail weekends to try to get some money. Uh, they are The Chronicles of Riddick, Garfield the movie, and The Step for Wives. Now, if you can explain why any of these three movies need to be made, give us a call at 432 3893. Once again, four three two three eight nine three. Let's go into them. The Chronicles of Riddick. For those of you who are powered by diesel, <laughs> Vin Diesel, that Hey-o. is. Um, you're gonna be happy if you like Pitch Black. It's a movie from 1997. Uh, yes, six years ago. That's a long time ago. I'm just. I mean, it's not really, but it is long enough ago. Pitch Black. Yeah, ninety seven. You give me a strange. You look sure, that's ninety seven. That sounds a little I'm, old. I'm, I'm calling I, it two thousand. I think. I, 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 IMDb. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Whatever. It's just pitch black. Okay. Yeah. It's pitch black. It's, it's not very black. good. All this right. isn't going with the win. <laughs> PG 13, Chronicles of Riddick. I'm going to say this one falls into the Laura Croft sequence. 
people people may have enjoyed some people may have enjoyed the first one and may have made a boatload of money in the 150 million dollar range mm-hmm. but how many people at the end of pitch black were like wow i want to see a sequel okay <laughs> we all get it riddick is a cool character maybe um i didn't pitch black to me is just a, a kind of cool alien knockoff that's that's that when you boil it down that's what it is made vin diesel a star which is unfortunate because uh, I then have to see things like Triple X and uh, Too Fa- The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> things like that get made with diesel power. Uh, what was that bad movie he had out of, of where he was a cop? Man uh, Apart. The Man Apart, Ooh, yes. That's yes. pretty bad. Because of Pitch Black. If not for Pitch Black, Diesel would basically be known as the guy who gets killed first in Saving Private Ryan <laughs> and as the voice of Iron Giant. That would be it. That would be his legacy. But unfortunately, Pitch Black came out. Alex. Um, the funny thing, though, that you mentioned is that no, no one's saying after seeing Pitch Black is like, hey, I want a sequel. Not that many people saw Pitch Black. You no. Know, I, I think it was like a, a $55 million movie, something like that. And I don't think the sequel is really even being pitched to people, pitched to uh, people who, uh, <laughs> sorry, to people who, who saw Pitch Black. Because uh, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people, and some of them don't even know this is a sequel. No. I and, spoke with someone just before the show who mentioned that they might go see this as kind of a dumb movie to check out, someone here at the station. Yeah. And I mentioned, oh, have you seen Pitch Black? No, like no. what? what? <laughs> What's Pitch Black? They didn't know. It, it does look radically different, too. And uh, the thing about it is, the thing I like about Pitch Black is exactly what you said, is that it is a fun alien knockoff. And this isn't even a monster movie. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, okay. To, from the from the words of David Toohey himself. Oh, the thank director. you. From the, the <laughs> book of David, please. <laughs> um... He said that uh, they wanted to do a Pitch Black 2, basically, and do, like, more people, go to the same planet, fight monsters, and he was just like, no, that's boring. I mean, it's the same, that it's is the, that exact is same plot, yeah. you know, and so he just wanted, he, he took that, you know, he's like, well, I'll do a sequel, and then just is doing something completely different. And just tying it in with the same I understand. character. Yeah, that's, and that's, I think that's more commendable. Yeah. But nonetheless... Whereas, and this is, I'm going to steal from a, a quote from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm going to steal from this <laughs> moment. But whereas Pitch Black, the first one, is a bad alien knockoff, it seems like Chronicles of Riddick is a bad Battlefield Earth knockoff. Who Damn. remembers Battlefield Earth? <laughs> Raise your hands. That's a bad movie. We're trying <laughs> if, to forget it, weren't we? If, <laughs> if, if you saw, I'm just going to say this. Here's a qualifying statement. If you saw Battlefield Earth starring John Travolta and you enjoyed it, that's not a good thing. Okay. Um, okay. Here's what basically here's what the quote was: It's a sci-fi disaster on par with the notorious John Travolta bomb Battlefield Earth. Every more more than just this quote and the reviews I read link Chronicles of Riddick to Battlefield Earth. This movie is going to be bad. Wow. Looks dumb. I'm gonna sti- I'm gonna sit on that, and we'll move on. To another stupid movie. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I, I think that I'm looking forward to this. You want to? Why do you want to see it? Do you think it's going to be good? Uh, well, I well I love David Twohey, and I've liked his last three movies. And um, which ones? Uh, Below, uh, Pitch Black, and The Arrival. You like The Arrival? Yeah. Okay, I'm just wondering. Yeah. That's just. I, like I mean, I don't movie. like The Arrival. And... Okay. I like The Arrival. Yeah, it's cute. Alex. <laughs> Uh, jury's still out. Haven't seen all, the end. All oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know it doesn't get better. Okay. But, uh, no, I, I'll stick by all those movies. I thought they were solid. Um, I read a review from Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool, who is also a Twohey fan, and he was like, Chronicles is so-so. 
Like, he didn't like it as much as his other movies, but he thought it was okay. So I'm guessing I'll probably have the same reaction. Okay. I'll probably like it. And I like Vin Diesel, good or bad. I mean, I love Triple X and own Triple X. Like, I think that movie's hilarious. And I shake my head, okay? That's all right. And I love Battlefield Earth. I think that movie's really funny. But is it good? No. No, that's, that's what I just wanted. But every shot is a Dutch tilt. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> which is which is funny. You don't do an entire. You do one shot, not the entire movie. Okay, Chronicles of Riddick. If you go, you might see the Reverend. Yeah, he'll be the tall guy who looks like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Right. All right. Also coming out this week, another bad idea. Now I know a lot of you read the comics, the not comic books, but the comics, the back of the paper, and you love Garfield. I love Garfield. Heck, there was even a craze in which there was Garfield like cats stuck on people's windows. Uh, every uh, soccer mom minivan had one. It was by law. Hooray for the state. 90s. Thankfully, they decided, hey, 10 years after that fad's worn off, uh, and Garfield's back in the, basically in our childhood, they've decided to make a Garfield movie. I'm thinking, okay, a full-length animated film uh, based on the style of the comic. That sounds great. No. They're making <laughs> a live-action film. Garfield is now animated. Basically, Scooby-Doo, but stupider. Okay, um, I don't know if you remember, but Garfield wasn't that energetic. I haven't seen this movie, but every time I see a trailer, TV commercial, he's running around, he's jumping on things, dancing. He used to take naps and eat lasagna. That was his deal. Mm-hmm. That's what he was about. Now the casting also is quite atrocious. Now who would make a, jo- a good John Arbuckle, the kind of the sad sack loser who nothing goes right that owns Garfield and Odie? Any questions? Bill Murray. Bill Murray would be great. Like, thank you, Alex. Bill Murray would be good. He'd be funny. He can play that sad, sad character. And when I heard he was on the cast list, good job. Now, the movie sounds stupid, but good a job. Problem is, he's voicing Garfield. <laughs> Not John Arkbuckle. Okay, then they must have someone better. Who would be better? Brecken Meyer? <laughs> so for those of you saying, who? And for those of you saying, what? Brecken Meyer is a bad choice for John Arkbuckle. He's kind of a Gen Xer, slacker... Who wants to be a go-getter, basic loser. But he's, he's horrible. He should be on NBC sitcoms, like on Thursday night, trying to be after Friends. Not as John Arbuckle in the Garfield movie. This is coming out. It's PG. Anybody want to see it? Not at all. The, what this looks like to me is just another in a long line of, uh, well, Hollywood cashing in on old, old co- comic strips and old cartoons from the 70s that the target audience is not familiar with at all. I mean, I would imagine for the Scooby-Doo movies or for this live-action Garfield, you'd have to be maybe seven or eight years old to enjoy it. I would, uh, that's the demographic, I would good. imagine, is, is what's, what's in their mind. And these people have probably never read, never watched an episode of Scooby-Doo or read Jim Davis or anything like that. Huh. And again, like you said, it's nothing like the comic strip at no. all. I mean, he, he sleeps and eats all day. That's what Garfield does. And that was what made that was why he was cool to the Gen Xers, man. And hippies. Okay. Um Garfield the movie, Alex. It gets worse too. Um just from a very basic plot description I've heard about it. It's a love triangle between John Garfield, you heard me, Garfield, and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ew. Not Odie. Is it <laughs> Odie's sitting this one out, I think. Uh, Odie's multi-species uh, <laughs> yeah. triangle. Um, yeah, Garfield falls in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt too. That's as well that as would John. She's beautiful. And that's, <laughs> that's John creepy, loves her, wrong, but she wants Gar- she wants who does she want? 
Um, it's not. It's not an well, actual not Brooke love, and Meyer. It's not. So. A, it's not a love triangle in the sense that it's all the way. It's not like threesome. That movie, that bad. You remember I that would, one. Yeah. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> well, each wanted someone else, but not the person who wanted right, them. Right. Right. Because that would be really creepy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Garfield the movie. Good luck. Okay. Yeah. Um, the third movie is uh looks like maybe a lame remake and the most promising of the lot. It's the Stepford Wives. Uh, based on the 1975 film of the same name, it's PG-13, directed by Frank Oz. He did the score, Bowfinger, uh, What About Bob, In and Out, Indian in the Cupboard, uh, also Dark Crystal, uh, one of my favorites, Muppets Go to Manhattan. Muppets Take Manhattan. Sorry, I almost said go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, among others. Um, but let's face it, we don't know Frank Oz as a director. We know Frank Oz, puppeteer, and puppet voice. Uh, Grover, uh, Miss Piggy. Uh, Yoda, Frank Oz. Thank you. Honestly, he doesn't have to. I don't know why he's directing movies. He's a favorite in my heart just as a puppet voice. So he's finally he updated the uh, stuff for wise, basically. Um, a couple that seem doing pretty well. Moving to a near perfect community where all the women are crazy obedient and beautiful. And there's something sinister behind it. And if you don't really know what a Stepford wife is, this might seem new to you. You'll figure it out within the first 10 minutes, probably. You'll figure it mm-hmm. out within the first 30 seconds of the trailer. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And you know where it goes. I guess it's the original is kind of a cult classic. Did they really need a remake? Do any of you guys enjoy the first Stepford Wives? I, I hate the first movie. Okay. <laughs> the the original novel by Ira Levin is kind of heavy-handed. It's not that great. The movie ver- The first movie version is not that great either, and I imagine this won't be either. Yeah. It's watchable, but it's... There's that word again. The word again. Watch it. Um, See, Alex Dodd. I don't hate it, but it certainly doesn't need a remake. Yeah, it's. it's I'll give you the main problem of Stepford Wives. You know where it's going the whole time, and it takes the whole movie to get there, and that's the end. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, thanks. Boring. It's stupid. I mean, there's no there's no twists or anything to it. No turns. It's just one long meandering plot. Yeah. To a conclusion that you've already figured it out in the first yeah. five minutes. If you've seen the trailer, you know everything that happens yeah. in the movie. <laughs> it's it's stupid, mm-hmm. and it stars Nicole Kidman, Bette Midler, Matthew Broderick, Christopher Walken. He's in everything, uh, with the small appearances by uh, Glenn Close and Faith Hill. So I think we're all going to pass on this one. But then again, <laughs> compared to Chronicles of Riddick and Garfield, if I'm forced to see a movie this weekend, if if federal law mandates I see something, <laughs> I guess I might see Stepford Wives. I don't know. I kind of like Frank Oz. I mean, more his older stuff, but. I'm I'm up in the air. I might go see this. I'm just saying, if know. if it had puppets in it or Muppets, <laughs> I'm there. I could Ma- see myself seeing it. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Not proud um, of myself for that. Oh, you want some Garfield trivia? Yes. Real quick. Okay. Uh, in the original animated Garfield shorts, uh, Garfield is voiced by Lorenzo Music, who has since passed on. Uh, and in the cartoon series, The Real Ghostbusters, Lorenzo Music was the voice of Peter Venkman. Bill Murray's Bill Murray is the voice of Garfield. That is movie. creepy. Oh. That is excellent. And I have a quote, and I wanted to say this, but this is this will give you an idea of how bad Garfield is. Okay, we're going to get back to this. I, ha- I wrote this down, so I'm going to say it. This is the quote. This is from Owen Gleiberman, who Alex loves. This is about Garfield. It's enough to make you long for the wit and wisdom of Mike Myers' cat in the hat. <laughs> 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 all right. Garfield's not going to be good. So Garfield, Stepford Wise, Chronicles of Break, all come out this week. This week on Rental, a couple movies. Along came Polly, the uh, 
Ben Stiller, uh, Jennifer Aniston film from earlier this year. Uh, those crazy kids that get together, I guess. Uh, also, the Academy Award winning Mystic River, um, Blaze from Clint Eastwood, uh, one of my favorites from last year. And our video pick of the week. Ooh, drum roll. Let's go to it. It came out this week. Yeah. On DVD. After, after a long wait. After a very long wait. They've been, Miramax has been jerking me around for about half a year. Well, that, this is what they do. This is what they do. They do. All right. Andy, video pick of the week. Do it. It's a movie called City of God. What's the, real, what's the original title? Chidade uh, de Dios. I know you like to do that, so I let you <laughs> Yeah, do. that's always fun. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, the, uh, the much-acclaimed movie. from. Uh, it's based on a true story uh, set in 19, late 1970s in the slums of Rio de Janeiro. And it follows the uh, gang-slash-gangster warfare that took place there. And it's uh, on one level, it's uh, kind of a silly gangster movie. On another level, it's uh, it's an expose slash docudrama on the Brazilian drug trade. It follows a group of young kids as they grow up in in this gangster environment. And uh, the obvious con- comparison, what a lot of reviews will compare it to, is Gangs of New York. It's a much more kinetic, vivid version of Gangs of New York. I would say it has more in common with Boys in the Hood. It's much more of a personal story rather than maybe an historical document i would say I mean, whether it's historically accurate it's i mean who can say but uh yeah it was actually nominated for four academy awards which is usually unheard of for a, a foreign language movie it was nominated for best director fernando morella's uh, best screenplay and cinematography and film editing which are all pretty incredible i think and uh, this was my number two movie of last year and it's been a long time coming out on DVD. Yes, it was supposed to come so. out early in the year. Had two release dates, I believe, early in the year. Mm-hmm. Kept pushing it back, and it finally comes out this week. I checked it out today and loved it. Yeah. I thought this it blew me away. I really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely kinetic, and I guess I think I think you're spot on. I think you're perfect uh, with your description of it. It's a lot of fun, but it's it's an interesting film. So. Mm-hmm. Kind of upsetting. Not for everybody. Not it, for it, everybody. It is violent, and it is kind of bloody. Yes. But uh, it's it's worth it, I think. All right. All right. Anything else, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can wrap that up. Our video pick of the week is City of God. It's out now. All right. Guess that wraps it up. For Alex, for the Reverend, Andy, I'm Brad Brooks. Thanks for checking us out. We'll uh, see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Stick around. The best in local music, The Basement, is up next. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.